Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. All right, so um, Acts chapter, or Acts, Genesis chapter 13 is uh, where we left off. We started talking about Lot and Abraham where they separated, they split ways. Um, we're in, um, there starting in verse 6, we talked about some of this, that... Um, they were starting to be strife. The land that they were living in was just getting filled up between Abraham and Lot being blessed. Uh, there was also two other um, groups of people there. Do you guys remember who those groups of people were? Say that again. Who, who was the number one arch enemy of the Israelites? The Canaanites and the Prizites. There you go. Parasites, parasites. They were, they were definitely parasites. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. I like that. I hadn't really thought of it. Yeah. And, and so you have, you know, of course, the Canaanites. We talked about the group of people, the parasites, and several others. There, it was a group that you know followed the Canaanites around. They were, they had some form with them. Uh, we see how they were constantly. They were. Not really a well-known name. We don't hear them a lot, but they were always there. Uh, we talked about them being at uh, the Battle of Jericho. Um, they were, you know, God talked to Moses, mentioned their name, and how ultimately Solomon finally enslaved them, wiped the rest of them all out when he built his temple because Solomon had amassed quite a uh, an army. So, you know, we land here starting in verse Eight. So the tension here is, like we said, the, there wasn't much land. They were struggling over land. So the herdsmen, Lot's herdsmen and uh, Abram's herdsmen, were starting to feud. Right? They're starting to have some issues. Uh, we liked that to people today, especially in our church. We're all here. We're all family. And yet, you know, things start to happen. People start to step on each other's toes. Uh, things aren't done quite the way that we want them to be done. And we start to have some strife. Maybe you have strife at your work or in your family or wherever you're at. You know, Things start to happen. Um, strife is going to happen. There's not much we can do about that. So there are basically there's two ways that this strife can be handled. All right? So we have two different people here. We have we have Abram, and we have Lot. And there's some things that I, that I want to point out here to what's uh, what happens and how they deal with this. Um, someone read for me verse eight. Verse eight. 
And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and me, and, be, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Alright, so you have Abram. What did Abram come to Lot and say? You're going to have to move. He starts out with, he says, hey, let's not have any strife between us. He says, you know, we're brethren, all right? So Abram's very first thing is to, he wants to unify, all right? He understands that there's a problem. He says, I get it. You know, there's, there's not enough land here. But there's not really any reason for us to fight over this all right there's not there's no reason we're we're family and you know we, we look at us today we're all the family of god here we're all in at hilltop we're all here to to do service to work towards a common goal now as we move forward into this there are some times that a parting of ways has to happen okay it, it just there's not much that can be but there's a right way and then there's a wrong way. All right, we got to be careful of that knee-jerk reaction. A lot over here, you know, he, he's starting to get angry and upset about the fact that he don't have this land that he needs to feed his cattle or, or, or whatever else is going on. So Abram's, this, this mentality here of, all right, first of all, let, let's, let's calm this down. Let's, let's reunify. Let's be friends. Let's be, we're family. There's no reason for us to fight. Um, the first half of verse 9 is not the whole land before ye. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Alright? Now, he, he offers a logical solution. Alright? Now, sometimes this logical solution can't come about until we've unified. Right? Let's sit down. What's, what's the thing? Cooler heads prevail. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm upset and mad or angry, I typically make the dumb move. Right? The, the knee-jerk reaction. You know, it, it, you can't make decisions when there's um, attitude, when there's strife, when there's, you're not thinking clearly. Right, so you know Abram sits down and he says, "Listen, he's where there's not room for us. The logical solution is that you know we're going to have to separate. All right? This is this is the, the the right way. There's there's times that whatever the situation is, separation is the best. Now we can part friends. He's not saying get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again. You're no brother. You're no nephew of mine." You know, he's just saying, listen, we can't continue to do what God wants us to do here. You're going to have to, or I'm going to have to, but we're, we're just going to have to kind of part way. So he comes to a, a logical solution, not, hey, you know, if you slaughter half of your animals, we'll be just fine. Or let's have a big giant feast and we'll all have burgers and steaks for a month, right? We'll just thin the herd. No, he just, he has that logical solution. All right. Lastly, there in that second half, he says, "He says, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right, then I'll go to the left." He's selfless. 
And this is key. This is really key. This is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. He's taken that chance of maybe being taken advantage of. And, you know, we hear all the time, well, you know, there ain't, no one's going to get one over on me. You know, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, we teach our children to share, and yet we grow up as adults, and our mentality is, you know, I ain't, they ain't going to take advantage of me. Sharing is for the kids, not us. <laughs> I like that mentality. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that selfless mentality. Listen, whatever the betterment to the kingdom of God. You see, God's blessing Abram, right? What did he tell him? He went through and said, I'm going to bless thee. I'm going to grow thee. You know, I'm, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to bless others. Had, had he not taken this stance and him and Lot stayed feuding, who knows what would have happened? Things all, you know. Things, now, mind you, he already had that situation where he went down in Egypt and his wife became his sister and things kind of fell apart. So, you know, he's come back out with, you know, seemingly a little bit better of an attitude here. Um, so we need to figure out how to make things work so that we can both continue on our path of what God wants us to do. And ultimately, even if our ministries are different, there's a way that we can still work together. There's a way that we can still, you can still serve God in what you're doing, and I can still serve God in the way that I'm doing, you know, to get what needs to be done. It's not about me. And this right here is the number one problem in America. It's all about me. Me, me, me. What, um, what's it? Andy was reading a book and he asked me, uh, Hedonistic Society, right? It's basically, it's all about pleasure whatever pleases me goes well I, i'm sorry there's there's a lot of sacrificing that goes into serving god but you know what pleases me more than everything else that when i die i get to go to heaven yeah. right i don't there's not any other pleasure in this world than that of knowing that when i pass from this world i have an eternity in heaven in heaven with an almighty god and a Savior that died on the cross for me. You know, there's joy in that. This world teaches all these other ways to fill your happiness here in the house of God, here in the arms of, uh, of Christ. That's true joy. You know, we mentioned before, class, when we're going through these hard times, the worst thing you can do is fall away from God. He's He's our protector. He's our savior. He's our strength. He's our rock. Whatever, you know, all those names, all those, the bread of life. He's, he's everything to us. And yet, he's, it's amazing to me. If I start going through a hard time, my first thought is not, well, I'm, I'm sad today. I guess I just, I can't go to work for a while. You try that a lot. Yeah, it don't work. You know, you know, and it's just after a while they quit sending, they don't send you those paychecks, right? The bill collectors, you can't tell your bill collectors, listen, you know, I'm going through a, a rough time. I'm really sad, you know, so I just can't pay my bill this month. 
I'm pretty sure they're not going to be like, oh, that's no worries. Don't worry about that. This one's on us, right? But yet when it comes to things of God, we think, well, it's not that big of a deal. When this right here is the most, I need my job to support me and my family. But I need God to help me through, to protect my family and support my family and myself. And it's like God always takes, he always takes a back seat because that, that, our, that selflessness doesn't always kick in. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Sundays, I just, it's tough to get up for, for church. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. What time you get to work? Oh, well, we work 12-hour days. I'm at work at 4 in the morning. You know, you know it's like... Go ahead. I had a question about that. Um, I have a friend of mine, and uh, she's coming out of the woodwork since my daughter has cancer. And uh, I've noticed in the last week and a half, I've only, I've only known she has cancer for a week and a half now. And um, my total focus has turned to her and God only. Mm-hmm. And... Um, not other people or anything, just God and her. I wake up as God and then her and then God and her. Yeah. So all I'm thinking about is, and she's telling me I'm selfish. How, how can I be selfish? Am I being selfish? I, I, how, what, I mean, what's her reasoning for being selfish? I mean, you're focusing on your daughter. I'm focusing on my relationship with God and my relationship with my daughter. Well, I mean, those are the not most... Her, I'm not her. Not my grandbabies. Yeah, um, the grandbabies are her kids. Well, you're not cutting them all out. You're not like, hey, I don't no, want to have nothing to do with no, your grandbabies, right? No. Am I, am I using my relationship with God the right way? Now, listen, there, there comes times in our lives where you kind of have to streamline. And in a situation, I mean, it, your daughter needs help with the kids. You know, she's got the cancer that's coming God on. God took the breast cancer out of her breast. Yeah, well... You know, and, and, and she's she needs to come to know the Lord and your she relationship has. with him. You know how I told you she's an alcoholic? Yeah. She's been posting on it on Facebook and she came to me and asked for a Bible. She told me just three days ago, Mom, I think I want to walk with Jesus. Well, that's awesome. And that's because because you're working on your relationship with God. She yes. sees that in you. I haven't, I'm non-stop praying or thinking about God or reading the Bible. I'm non-stop. Yeah. And then I feel like this, this is my, like you told me, this is, this is work. Yeah. And I'm working hard. I don't want her to die. Yeah. And because that cancer is in all her lymph nodes. But all of a sudden the doctors are telling her, well, we have to, we have to reschedule your chemo and your radiation now because you don't have that cancer in your breast for some reason. Okay, and then two days ago I said, "Well, that mark on your on your lung, there's it's benign." Yeah. And it's just like, I know. Yeah. I've been working on it. Yeah. You know. and, and that and you just sometimes you just gotta refocus. But you're not doing it based on you. You're doing no, it based it upon what hurt. Absolutely. And, and that's the idea of the selflessness. <clears throat> you can't get through situations if all you care about is yourself. It's you know. not me, but I'm not answering the phone. Yeah. I'm not talking to people. I, if I'm not taking care of her babies and taking her to all these doctors, I'm praying. Yeah. I'm on my knees. And, uh, and they'll see that ultimately, and that's that's the whole point of all that. That we just we have to. We're an example, and that's what Abraham's doing here. He's trying to. There's strife. He's trying to figure out what's what's the best way that is most God honoring. 
And that's ultimately the decision you have to make. What is the best way in this hard time to honor God and handle what needs to be handled? Um, So now we move into kind of how Lot reacts to this. Um, Verses 10 through 12. Um, So there, it's out there. Adam or Abram says, listen, you pick what you want to pick and um, we'll go from there. Someone read verses 10, 11, and 12 for me. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled, 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 <laughs> in, the, in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Alright, so uh, Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld the plain of Jordan, and saw that it was what? Well watered. So Lot went to the Lord and prayed real good and God directed him where he wanted to go, right? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Lot dealt out of self-preservation. <coughs> Which, oddly enough, what happened to Adam and Eve? They looked at the tree and saw that it was what? Saw that was good. We consistently have an issue here, time after time after time, with, hey, that looks good. That's what I want. That's where I need to go. Absolutely. And that's what it is. Over and over. So you have... see it real well so in our in our map here you have here's Canaan on on this side of the Mediterranean Sea all right this is ultimately where Abram landed all right so the plains of Jordan was along the opposite side of that it was really really fertile really really good and, and that's where he took so you got you got Lots around right around here. Abram's up around this way. This little, in the Dead Sea or Salt Sea, this little, we don't know exactly for sure where Sodom and Gomorrah is, all right? Because uh, for one, God laid waste to it. Um, they found it. Um, they think they found it. They haven't found it for sure. But the Dead Sea has grown so much that it, they believe it was this little, uh, this little hole right here. There's a couple spots right here. They think they're pretty positive it's right around that area. But the Dead Sea has grown. It typically, um, the Zor that it talks about, they, um, they found evidence that it's down towards the bottom of the Dead Sea. So they're pretty sure about where it's at, where it was at. Um, but the Dead Sea has grown and swallowed a lot of that up. But so what you have is you have, for one, you have, he looks out and he says, he says, this is, this is the land I want. He wants it because it is well watered, all right? Now, the worst part about this is... Where did he pitch his tent towards? Sodom. Sodom. Verse 13. Someone read for me verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. <clears throat> so they were, it's a great city for God, right? <laughs> no. So so here's what he does. He self-preserves, right? And he takes his eyes off the promised land. 
right? Because as long as he was with Abram, God was blessing Abram. So that means God was blessing a lot, was blessing a lot, was blessing Lot, right? He had a lot, right? It talks about all that he had. They were loaded. They were filthy rich. When you want to talk about money upon money, these two, they were it. One decision, one, one strife, <clears throat> you can either unify or you can self-preservation. And this is the choice. And it's downhill for Lot from this point on. Uh, Lot's making that choice, facing a corrupt and sinful city. Um, we know what comes after a while. Um, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah is ruled um, back in chapter 10, verse 19. It tells us, And the border of the Canaanites was from Siddim, as thou comest to Gerer, unto Gaza, and thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adam and Zeboam, and even <coughs> unto Lashonites. These are the sons of Ham. Alright? So, who's Ham? Noah's son, who looked upon his father and told everybody about it. The curse happened, right? So, so it, this it's not a shock to Lot. Lot knows what Sodom and Gomorrah was. It's not like he was surprised that, oh my goodness, Sodom and Gomorrah turned out to be a bad town. They knew what Sodom and Gomorrah was. There was a reason why they weren't around where that was, why, why the land of Canaan where God led Adam was, or Abram was on the opposite side of all of that what was going on. You have, um, you, you, they end up there, right? So they close the story. There's, um, it goes on with Melchizedek, it goes on through a little bit. Um, but I want to fast forward to a story that's not all that well known. Um, this is, does everybody know about when Lot was captured? All right, well, let's go to chapter 14. All right. So we leave Abraham, or Abram is in the land of Canaan. Uh, he's where God wants him to be. He's growing. Things are going great for him. We leave Lot where he went in the valley, of, and he's looking, at, his eyes are now fixed on the things of the world. And he's nowhere near the promise where he should be. Um, verses 1 through 3 talks about a great war. There are four kings versus five kings. This war happens. They meet into in the valley of Siddim, which is... Um, so this is a blown up version. Right? Here's the Dead Sea. Abram's over in this area. This is the valley, all right? Sodom and Gomorrah is right around this area right here. So um, the, the veil of Siddim is roughly right around this area, okay? Give or take. It's not exact, but right around there. So you have what happens, and then you, the verses 4 through 7 is kind of like a flashback, all right? So basically what happened, King, um, I looked this up, Chor de Lamar, um, this king had kind of, he ruled this, this basically this area 
on the east side of over here, okay? So he basically was, he, he ruled a lot of this area right around here where Sodom and Gomorrah and all those were. Well, this went on for about 12 years ago. It talks about 12 years they ruled in the 13th year. And it says that Sodom and Gomorrah, the kings of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and three other kings in the 13th year decided to rebel. All right? So in the 14th year, um, I'm going to call him Cheddar, all right? King Cheddar, King Cheddar, um, and three more kings, they come down to squash this rebellion, all right? So that's, that's what's happening is you have the four kings, King Cheddar, he's the mighty guy, he's the one that's running things, uh, and him and his three other nations, it's, it's got all their names in there. They come down, Sodom, King Sodom, and King of Gomorrah, and, th and three others. So you got the five kings kind of rebelling against the, the four kings. And so you got this battle that meets, they meet up um, in, where does it say there? Uh, yeah, they, they meet up um, yeah, in the Vale of Siddim. So what happens here in, in the Vale of Siddim, it's filled full of, let's see, Slime pits. It's still for all these slime pits. Well, that don't work out so well for the defensive side or the rebelling side or whoever you want to call, right? So they lose. They lose to the four. Um, verse 8. Yeah, verse 10. Someone read verse 10 for me. And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. All right. So, now, the, later on it talks about how the king of uh, um, Sodom comes out and talks. So it talks about him falling here. I, I don't know if they died. A lot of people are saying they died, so I'm assuming that the other king is a newer king because I'm sure this didn't happen in a couple days. This was probably some years went on through here. Um, so whatever happened, the two fell in this situation, whether they were died or they were captured, the other three, they took off to the mountains. But what ends up happening here is in verse 11, someone read that one for me. And they took off. Go ahead. <laughs> and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. Alright, so those of you that are from Kentucky, who knows what a victual is? Aaron, I don't know. <laughs> Food. Food. It's pronounced vittles. Yeah, vittles. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so vittles is biblical, guys. I just wanted you all to know that the word vittles... <laughs> All right, it's otherwise pronounced as victuals, vittles, that's food. So they, they, they beat Sodom and Gomorrah's king. They go into Sodom and Gomorrah. They take over all of the goods, all of the food. They basically just wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah as far as all their stuff is. Guess who happens to be living in Sodom and Gomorrah now? Verse 12, someone read that one for me. And they took Lot, Abel's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. See what happens? Mm. Yeah. So not only 
in this situation that he self-preserved by picking the, the best place. He takes his eyes off the promise, and then he finally ends up living in sin. And finds himself ultimately in bondage. Now you tell me that is not a better picture picture of how just a little, little, little bit of sin can take you a lot farther than you're willing to go. If if Abraham, Abram had told Lot... Listen, you can pick wherever you want, but just so you know, if you pick wrong, you're going to end up as a slave in bondage with everything you've got taken away from you. There's no way in this world Lot would have been like, oh, you're right. Let me pray on this. Right? How many times do we hear people, I can handle it? It's not that big of a deal. It's okay, I got this. And then they move from one bad to another bad choice, to another bad choice. Moved his whole family. I mean, he would have, when he went and moved, separated from Abram, he would have had his children and wives. and So this isn't like Lot ended up in Sodom by himself and found a wife down there. This was his entire family. In fact, it reads later on when we get uh, next week, we'll talk about it. How there are, you know, all his goods and women and, and other people, you know. So this is one one little, hey, it's not that big of a deal. That looks like a really, really good place to go. That pleases me well. But it wasn't. It wasn't in God's plan. He didn't. See, God was taking care of him. And that's the crazy part. That's the problem we had with Adam and Eve, right? That's the issue that we had, you know, all through there until the, the flood. We have people that are in the will of God that God is taking care of, decides the grass looks a whole lot greener on the other side. I can take care of myself much better over there. And look where they end up. A lot of times, that's how you know we as Christians, even myself, you know, I follow, you know, I'm following God. But when issues happen, it's my first instinct: I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. I got it. You know, so it's we have to be careful about when opportunities yeah. arise. Mm-hmm. You know, just because this seems like a, a great thing, it doesn't mean that's what God wants you to go do. I mean, how many families have we seen, well, this is, I just can't pass up this opportunity. And then the next thing you know, they're either out of church or their family's falling apart or your name. Absolutely. We must trust that when God says, I will take care of you, he will take care of you. And it doesn't matter if there's a billion dollars on the other side of there. If that's not what God has planned for you, which I really think he should try. I really think I'd be okay with a million dollars. Apparently, he doesn't think I can handle it. 
I think I could, you know. At least let me fall. Let me try. You know what I mean? He's a loving God. He'll give me a second chance, right? <laughs> Good. And at any time, Lot could have turned his tent around, taken his eyes off, like, stopped looking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're exactly right. In any one of these, he could have, when he decided to move into Sodom, he could have very well just moved back closer. At, at any point, even when he decided to make this, that first initial, he had opportunity after opportunity. We don't know how many years. Like I said, this, you know, the rebellion, they were under slavery for over 12 years. I don't, I don't know how long this story was taking place when all that happened, when Lot, but, you know, there's definitely numerous times here Lot could have. But you want to know why he didn't? Because things were going good for him there. I'm not going through any hard times. Isn't it amazing how we really don't never turn back to God until all of a sudden life falls apart? No. And, and what's typically what people, why God let that happen to me? Right. Well, because you made a bad choice here. You, you, you're making a bad choice here. You made a bad choice here. Oh, now it's God's fault. You know, I love those. Well, God let that happen. No. You put yourself in all of these positions, and now God's the bad guy because you made boneheaded decisions. All right? So uh, we'll stop that there.